you all are the best. You're the best. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this evening and we thank you for the opportunity we have to come to this place. We thank you for our brothers and sisters who have led us tonight in praise. We thank you, Lord, in the middle of the week and all of the, all of the things that we're all so preoccupied with, all the cares and all the stresses and pressures of life, <clears throat> whatever season of life we find ourselves in, we now look forward to a time in your word and just the opportunity to sense and uh, praise your name and give the sacrifice of thanks to you for all that you've done for us. We pray tonight, Lord, for those that you've put on our heart. We, we come to you tonight presenting that person or persons to you for whom we are burdened tonight. We, we present our petition to you. We come thanking you and we present our petition to you. Our, we supplicate you for this on behalf of these, the person that you put on our heart, perhaps to be saved or to come back in relationship with God and get right or for some circumstance in their life. We pray, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus that you might Meet that person at the point of their greatest need and do your work that only you can do, like you've done it in our lives. So we intercede on behalf of uh, those that you've put on our heart. We pray for our country. We pray for the leaders and the president and all the rest of those who uh, lead in state governments and at all levels. We recognize their authority over us and we pray that you might help us to be uh, faithful as believers in Jesus Christ, <clears throat> uh, to do our part, to bring glory and honor and share the gospel in our world. So Lord, tonight as we open uh, to Philippians again, Paul's words to us are, are sweet and wonderful. They are instructive for us and we thank you for his faithfulness in his day and time and how I pray that we might be faithful in our day and time. I pray that we might be a church that's faithful to you, that we might truly carry out the work that you have called us to do in this place, our assignment to share the gospel, to disciple multiple generations to the glory of God. We pray, Lord, for all who are teaching tonight across our campus, for Tim and for all the boys and girls with Ken and all of our, all the faithful people who serve and work, all uh, every week in order for us to share the truths of the Word of God from generation to generation. And we pray that you're pleased with what we do. We pray for those who are here in this building, uh, here in this room with me, and we pray for those who are listening tonight who cannot be here. May the sweet, wonderful presence of the Holy Spirit um, come to fill the minds of all of us so that we might learn together and truly Receive what you have for us tonight. May we uh, please forgive us of our sins so that we might receive the implanted word with humility uh, so that it might do its work of bringing us into greater conformity to the image of Christ. We thank you, Lord, for the sweetness of fellowship with you that only we enjoy because of the cross of Jesus Christ. What a hallelujah, what a Savior. So thank you now for our time together, and may you bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher tonight. In Jesus' name we pray, 
Amen. Well, good to see all of you this evening. Good evening, all of you spread around here. And uh, if you didn't have an outline, make sure you pick one up if you would like it. They're, I believe they're at the back, and there's some also here at the front. And you won't bother anybody if you get up and pick one up so you can follow along with us. We continue to study in the book of Philippians, and here's what we'll be doing just to give you some idea of the uh, days ahead. Uh, we're, we'll finish the book of Philippians uh, through the month of July, and then starting uh, August, the, uh, whatever the first Wednesday of August is, we'll, we'll move to a new uh, topic. I want to talk to you about Moses, a man who heard from God. And so we'll be spending... Uh, quite a bit of time looking at, uh, we're, we're going to pause from um, a book study and we'll go to what uh, many of you know to be a character study from God's Word. And I think you'll enjoy it and it'll be a blessing to us all. Moses, a man who heard from God. So we'll, we'll begin that uh, on um, um, August, the first week of August. Philippians chapter 4. Let's read together so that we can get our minds back around the truth of God's Word. Our focus primarily tonight will be verses 6 and 7. These are, I'm, I know who's in this room tonight. This is, this is, uh, this is the sophisticated crowd. This is the, this is the knowledgeable crowd. This is the ones, you better have your stuff together when you speak to this crowd. That's the way it works on Wednesday night. Uh, all of you know these. How can you teach the Word of God to people who th already think they know it? That's the greatest challenge that I have tonight. How do you, how do you come up and speak the Word of God to those who think they already understand it. You read these verses, say, oh yes, I've read them many times. Well, you're not where you were the first time you read them. You're not where you were the last time you read them. I'm not fussing at you, I'm just exhorting. You're where you are today and you need them today. Anybody want to say amen to that? Well, that's what I believe. Philippians 4, Paul is talking about our behavior because the Lord is near. We saw that in verse 5. The Lord is near. I say to this church tonight and to everyone listening to me and who will listen to this, the Lord is near. The Lord is nearer tonight than He was last week when we spoke of these things and He has granted to us His grace to live another week. The Lord is near. And He's granted to us tonight to have today to serve Him and to glorify God. The Lord is near. Nearer than he's ever been. Last hour, John's right. Last hour. Last hour. In the last days. So Paul says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy, my crown, in this way stand firm in the Lord. We saw that last week. Stand firm in the Lord. I urge Yodia and Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. We saw that last week. There's the second duty we have in these last times. As the Lord is near, stand firm in the Lord, all of you tonight. The Lord is near, stand firm in the Lord. In the midst of a culture falling apart, in the midst of the wickedness of the world, stand firm. The Lord is near, stand firm in the Lord. R regardless of the assaults of Satan and uh, his devilish tricks, stand firm in the Lord, resist him, and He will flee from you. Live in harmony in the Lord. The Lord is near. Let's be in harmony with one another. Life is too short for our silliness with one another. Live in harmony in the Lord. Uh, third duty, 
Rejoice in the Lord, verse 4. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Today may be a hard day for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. Always. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice because the Lord is near. The Lord is near. Stand firm in the Lord. Live in harmony in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord, verse 4. And then let your gentle spirit be known to all. I appreciate what Spencer and I were talking about this last week. Made a good point, and I, I want to say it again as clearly as I can. Uh, and I, um, Spencer, I'm stealing your words, but that's all right. Preachers sometimes do that. You know, it's not what people, what do people think about Christians? What is it that they know about us? What is their opinion about Christians? Well, Paul's saying here to these uh, Philippian Christians who lived in this Roman outpost uh, in Philippi, let your gentle spirit be known to all people. Do people in Dixon know us as a gentle people? Do people in your family who do not know Jesus Christ know you to be a gentle person? Let your gentleness, let your gentle spirit, not your fighting spirit, not your I'm again it spirit, not your critical spirit, not your judgmental spirit, let your gentle spirit, and that doesn't mean you have to talk real soft. Gentleness isn't the tone or level of your voice. Gentleness is being like the Lord Jesus. And oh, by the way, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, tenderheartedness are fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God brings gentleness over the raging of our past. This is a lesson for the modern church, isn't it? It's a lesson for the modern church in the day in which we live. When we got, seems like our fists are clenched rather than our hands are open. Do people know us by our gentleness? Well, let your gentle spirit be known to all men. That means gentle at work. That means gentle in your family. That means gentle with your husband or wife. That means gentle here at church among one another. The gentleness of the Lord Jesus seeing in the Holy Spirit of God possessing us and we're a gentle people. That's what the world needs to see. Gentleness is not weakness. Gentleness is not compromise. Gentleness is being like Jesus Christ. The Lord is near. For some of you tonight, you see the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ is about to come back to this world. And a number of things will begin to happen historically in this world. The Lord is near uh, the imminent return of the Lord Jesus Christ is what I have stood and preached to this church for years. And I will until I am dead and they roll me in the grave. If Jesus hasn't come, come Lord Jesus, I want to say, as I go out of this world. Because the Lord Jesus is coming. He is coming again. Don't explain it away. Don't talk yourself out of it. The Word of God, and as I said last week, all the apostles said this over and over. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. Well, that's the warm-up, and now we get to our talk tonight. Be anxious for nothing. 
Here's our next duty in these days of nearness to the Lord's return. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Notice how Paul strings it together there. In everything by prayer, by supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God. Conjunction in verse 7 links it to verse number 6. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Heavenly Father, how we need to be reminded tonight of these very important truths. Impress upon us, O Holy Spirit of God, these precious words so that we might live so that we might live as your people, praying without anxiousness in these last days. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I've given uh, the focal truth, if you have the outline before you, is believers must pray uh, and not, I left out the word and, sorry, believers must pray and not be anxious in these last days. You know, when some people talk about the end of time, they get all concerned and consumed and worried about it. Uh, when some people talk about the end times and the Lord coming, people will say, sometimes parents will say to me, oh, Pastor Mike, I want the Lord to come, but boy, I hope my children can grow up. What, what kind of a comment is that? Uh, I, I want the Lord to come, but, you know, I hope that I can have this job for a while. What, I, I don't quite understand that. No, the Lord coming is the most glorious thing that could happen to every Christian I'm talking to here. It is the most glorious event. It, is the most, it, it will make all of what we're going through in this mess and this world, it, it, there's no comparison to the glory that will happen. I've spoken to you about it. Paul said it in this very book. You will be glorified. Uh, should I read it again? It's the last verse in chapter 3. The Lord, our citizenship is in heaven. Verse number 20. We wait for our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what we're doing down here. We're running for heaven, waiting for Jesus to return. 21, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of His glory by the exertion of the power that He has even to subject all things to Himself. What a Magnificent statement. The Lord Jesus is coming again, so now during these days we must pray and not be anxious. We must pray and not be anxious. So Paul is talking to us again. So for those of you who haven't been with us before, here, the book of Philippians, this small little letter, Paul the Apostle is the writer to this church that he started in Philippi, pretty much made up of Gentiles. A uh, few Jews, but not too many, in a Roman, uh, Roman uh, colony or an area where there were many Roman soldiers. It was a, it was a place of commerce along the, uh, the roads that led to Rome. And Paul is writing to these, uh, these believers, and he's in jail. Are you listening? He's in jail. He doesn't have a lot of resources, and God's given him an assignment to share the gospel all over the world, and he's sitting in jail. It seems like something's wrong with God's will. It seems like something's happened that has uh, <laughs> set aside and put off the tracks God's purposes for Paul. But no, he realizes and says to us, I'm, I'm trying to bring you back around to this so that you know. He says 
in Philippians 1.12, I want you to know, uh, brethren, that uh, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. This afternoon at noontime, I talked to uh, those who listened and, and, you know, I hope you can join me or you can go back and listen to it sometime, how to um, persevere under pressure of impossible situations. Paul looks like he's in an impossible situation. Nobody's going to bail him out. Nobody's going to come get him. He's in jail. And yet he says, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. Can you say that in your life? Do you understand the will and purposes of God for you so that you can say, you know what, whatever I'm going through, I hope you're listening to me, whatever I'm going through, my circumstances turn out for the greater progress of the gospel. Because that's why I'm saved. I'm now saved so that my life is useful for advancing the gospel. That's why I'm saved. I'm not saved just... We, we get this backwards in the American church. Well, I'm saved so I can go to heaven. It's all about us. No, it's all about the gospel. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about glorifying God. I'm saved to become a bond slave to Jesus Christ. And for the remainder of my life, I do and say and go wherever He chooses for me to go. I am now voluntarily submitting as a bond slave of Jesus Christ. If you're 80... You're a bond slave of Jesus Christ. If you're eight and saved, you're a bond slave of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself on the age scale, I hope you're thinking about that tonight. So Paul says now, as a prisoner, he knows something about prayer because that's about all he can do. That's about all he can do. He's not able to preach. Of course, I'm sure the Roman soldiers heard plenty of that. Can you imagine being chained to Paul the Apostle? Can you imagine a shift with Paul the Apostle chained to him? Uh, I was with some of our men on a Bible study. We were reading from Psalms about, At midnight I will rise up and give thanks to you, Psalm 119. And we were laughing because at midnight Paul and Silas were in jail and they were singing. Can you imagine how all those guys in that jail thought, What in the world is going on at midnight? You see, he couldn't do a lot, but he could pray. And somehow we, we get this backwards in our minds. So this is, first we talk about the outright assault on your mind. Listen to me now. I don't know of anything that I talk with people about in all my years of serving as a pastor, all the various roles, all the various places, that is any more powerful that stops Christians in their tracks than anxiety and worry. It's the assault. It's the assault on your mind. It is that which is to keep you and paralyze you from doing what God's called you to do. It is this matter of anxiousness in our mind. So we'll pick it up there. These are famous words, be anxious for nothing. Three words, verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. So I've given you here in the notes, I try to give you these Greek words uh, so that you can have some understanding of this. So this word anxious, is, this word simply means to be troubled with cares. And many of us brought all of those in here tonight, didn't we? We brought them in. I bring them in. You bring them in. Paul had them also. 
You know, we cannot think that Paul's writing these words as if he himself never suffered from anxiety or despair or worry, because he did. He's just like us. He wasn't the Lord Jesus Christ. He wasn't perfect. But he's speaking to them in this way. In fact, Paul had a, has a statement about his painful anxiousness, I believe, in, uh, though he uses a different word in uh, Philippians 2.28. I have it there on your outline. He says, I have sent him all the more eagerly, sent Epaphroditus back to the Philippians, their friend, so that when, he, when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned, alipos, which means free from pain or grief, about you. Here's Paul sitting in jail. You know, when you sit in jail, you have a lot of time to think. That happened to a lot of people during the uh, last year, didn't it? I've talked to some of our people and they said, man, alive, I, I've never had so much time to think in all my life. And I said, well, how'd that work for you? Did you get anything done? What, what, what did you accomplish from all that time you had to sit there and think? Kind of like chirping, you know, there's chirp, chirp, chirp. There's, there was no response. Oh, when we have time alone, are we afraid of our time alone? Or do we use the time that we have in isolation to think deeply about God and to think about the things He has to say to us? Some of you are alone. Some of you are by yourself. Some of you are widowed. Some of you uh, have a job where you're not with other people. There is this danger, this assault that can come on your mind if you're not careful, if you're not watchful, and it is an onslaught of anxiety. It's an onslaught of worry. I'm not talking like a psychiatrist. I'm simply reading the Word of God. In these last days, be anxious for nothing. This is our duty. This is the standard by which we... Am so every one of us tonight has to do our own personal evaluation. I have to evaluate my own anxiousness. I have to evaluate my own worries. Or maybe you use the word cares. Uh, what are they? Well, Paul says in 2 Corinthians 6, 4, he's talking about the apostles. In everything we commend ourselves as servants of God, in, as much, in much endurance, in afflictions, in hardship, and then he uses this word, in distresses, in stress. But then our Lord Jesus gives us Again, the clearest example of dealing with worry and doing an inventory on it. Look, you must have, my friends, you must have the ability to substitute your worry with something else that you're going to think about. And this is what I have appealed to you and talked to you about endlessly for years. You must put in the place of your worry the truths of God's Word. You must put them in your mind. You must resist times of worry. See, someone says, well, I just want God to take worry away. Well, you have to do something about it. You have to stop worrying. What? Stop worrying? Yes, you have to stop worrying. He's giving us an imperative here. Don't be anxious for anything or be anxious for nothing. It's an imperative on me. It is a duty and Christian responsibility I have. I have a choice as a new man in Jesus Christ to live by the power of God and refuse, are you listening to me? Refuse to live in anxiety and worry. Some of the most worrisome people in the world, I've never seen such levels and, of anxiety and worry 
We have so much and we worry more than any generation. Anxiety, it is an assault on your spiritual mindedness. It will paralyze you and stop you in your tracks. You won't pray. You won't read the Word of God. And if you're you're long in it, it will lead you to deep and sad despair. This is why I'm so burdened for you to hear this. So I've given you from Luke 12 the Lord's detail on worry. Yes, you know these words, but hear them again tonight afresh. First, let me ask you this. What would you come in here tonight worried about? Oh, not me, Pastor Mike. I'm past any worry. You're lying in church. Don't lie in church. What did you bring in here that you got worries about? What's the list you've got? You've been thinking about it all day. You've you've been turning it over in your mind for some of you years. What are your anxious thoughts? You see, as I walk with God and I grow in my relationship to God, this is why Paul's talking about this, I come to have better self-awareness. I come to understand what it is that drives me into anxiety. Do you know the causes that lead to you being filled with anxiety, you need to. They're not going to be the same as they are for me. And mine aren't going to be the same to you. But there are things that bring anxiety. This is the assault on your mind. And God calls us to spiritual mindedness. In fact, next week we'll get to it. Well, the week after, we're going to have a a 4th of July thing next week uh, together. But we'll talk about it next week, about how we learn to dwell or think about the right kinds of things. That's in verse number 8. So the Lord Jesus said, Luke 12, 22, For this reason, do not worry about your life. Now he goes on to describe life as to what you're eating and what you're wearing and what you put on. But let's go back and take it with just the first phrase, Luke 12, 22. Do not worry about your life. He goes on and says in Luke 12, 25, And which of you, by worrying, so let's say you're going to worry, can add a single hour to his lifespan? Do you get anything for worry? Is there any advantage to worry as to what you will eat, as to what you will drink? That's your life. But what about this matter of your life? Do you get anything? Do you gain anything from worry? If you cannot do even a very little thing, this is Luke 12, 26, why do you worry about other matters? And then he says in Luke 12, 29, do not seek what you eat and what you drink. He's using that as an illustration. These basic needs, worrying about basic needs. And do not keep worrying. Do not keep worrying. Do not worry about your life. Worry does not add any value to your life. This is the Lord's Words. Now, hear me. He then gives you some considerations. He uses the word consider, Luke 12, 24. Are you listening? Consider is a mental word. It's a word for you to reflect or think about something. So here's something you can think about whenever you begin to worry. And you're going to. Some of you may be worrying while I'm preaching. Don't worry. It'll soon be over. So here's what you consider. The raven. The raven? The Lord has a wonderful way of helping us understand things, doesn't He? 
Consider the raven, for they neither, neither sow nor reap. Uh, they have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more? Are you considering something now? How much more valuable you are than the birds? He says, another consideration. Luke 12, 27, 28. Consider the flowers, the lilies. How they grow, they don't toil, they don't spin. But I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his glory clothed himself like one of these. If God so clothes the grass in the field, He so clothes the lilies, these beautiful flowers, which are alive today, tomorrow they're thrown into the furnace, how much more will He clothe you? Luke 12, 30. All these things the nations of the world eagerly seek. All of these things... Listen, here's another consideration. Your father knows that you need these things. Or as Matthew records it in the Sermon on the Mount, this very same section of the Sermon on the Mount that Luke is recording. Remember, Luke say, uh, Matthew says uh, in his uh, quote of the Lord Jesus, the father knows what you need before you ask. Isn't that good news? Man, that helps me. That relieves my worry. You mean God already knows what I need before I even ask Him in prayer? Man, let's, let's celebrate. Let's live for Jesus. And then He reminds us in Luke 12, 31, Seek His kingdom and these things will be added. That's the order. Put your priority on seeking the kingdom of God, glorifying God, advancing the gospel, discipling people. Sharing the gospel, living for the Lord Jesus Christ, standing fast in the faith, living in harmony with one another, rejoicing in the Lord, doing these things and fighting back, considering the uselessness of worry, the waste. Look, how much time would you have back? Well, this is going to be a scary thought for you. How much time would you have back if you had all the time back you've worried in your life? Whoa, don't even go thinking about that. You'll really get worried about that. <laughs> Secondly, believers must pray with thankfulness about everything. So look at the linkage here. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer. See, they go together. When I'm worrying, I pray. This is the method. This is the spiritual discipline of it. Uh, when, when worry starts to rise, I pray. Uh, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let's, let's walk through this for a minute. Let me read you a wonderful, sweet verse as we begin. Luke 6, 12. I didn't have it on the outline. Luke 6.12. It's a description of how the Lord Jesus lived. Listen, at this time, He went off to pray in the mountain. And He spent the whole night in prayer. You know when this was? This is when the Lord was about to pick the twelve disciples. He spent an entire night in prayer. Surely he already knew he's the Son of God, but he went and prayed. 
He went and spoke with the Heavenly Father for an entire night in prayer. Lest we forget the importance of prayer. Well, first of all, prayer is making your requests known about everything, anything, and whatever. I'm using the words from even last week as I preached to you on Sunday. Uh, so here's this word. Uh, the word for prayer in Greek is actually a word that has to do with a place. It's an interesting word. Uh, prosuki. It's a place set apart for offering prayer to God. Do you have a place set apart for offering prayer to God? I, I always think about John Wesley. John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist Church, his family, him and Charles Wesley wrote many great hymns. Uh, he, he, he was one of 13 kids. 13, yeah, golly, that's what I said. 13 kids. Susanna Wesley was a great godly mother. She had no time when she... Can you women imagine 13 kids? She couldn't find... She couldn't get to a secret place. So she know what she told her kids? Wesley records it in his journals. He says, How I thank God for my praying mother. How did she pray? She would pause and stop all the madness of the 13 kids and say, I am now about to spend time with the Lord. And in those days, women, this is not a... A majority, I'm not attacking her. She would take her apron and put it over her head and tell the kids, do not talk to me, I'm talking to Jesus until I take my apron off my head. That was her place to pray. And you know what? John Wesley never forgot it. Do you have a place to pray? In everything by your place of prayer... When you go and pray, Matthew 6, 6, go into your inner room, close your door and pray to your Father who's in secret and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. He says, in everything pray. This, this word pas, this Greek word is used all the time. It is a word that means each, every, any, all things, everything. Pray about everything. Pray about everything. Everything matters to God. What did we see from the Lord Jesus on Sunday when we were studying truths that matter? John 14. Uh, whatever you ask in my name, that will I do that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. Whatever, anything. That's what you pray. You pray everything, whatever, anything in order to accomplish the purposes of God in your life. Prayer is first a matter of praying in order to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and for His will to be done. It is not for self-serving purposes. The word request is a word that simply means our petitions. It is a word that describes in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests, what you're asking for, be known to God. And what did John say in 1 John 5? It's at the bottom of your outline. This is the confidence we have before Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request with which we have asked Him. And then we think about this word supplication. I want to slow down here for a moment and let's look at this for a moment. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let's talk about supplication in prayer. Now that's a word we don't use. We, we think of praying as uh, a rite almost. 
We, we have such twisted views of prayer. Prayer is that, uh, as James calls it, of drawing near to God. It is humbly coming before the Lord, recognizing our uh, unworthiness and presenting to Him like a beggar would present to a king requests. This is supplication. Do you supplicate in prayer? Or do you just kind of roll in there like, you know, like my, my friend Sal used to preach his sermon, drive through Jesus. You know, drive through Jesus. Just drive through and give Him your order. Hey, how you doing, Jesus? Here's my order. Be careful if you pray like that. So let's think about this for a moment. Paul says, Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, whatever, anything, by prayer, the place in which you go to meet God, with, and supplication. You know, supplicating. This is the word desis. is the Greek word, desis. I've given you a string of these places where desis is found. You, you, it's not always easy to see it in your English Bible, so I dug them out for you here. This is the idea of supplication. What does Paul say in Romans 10.1? My heart's desire and my desis, my supplication, my, my begging is for the salvation of my own people, the Jews. 2 Corinthians 1.11, you also joining and helping us through your prayers, your supplications. He's thanking the Corinthian church for their, their begging God, their petitions, their suppl supplication to God so that thanks may be given to many persons on our behalf for the favor bestowed on us through the prayers of many. When you pray, you agonize. You present yourself before God with what is urgent in order for His purposes to be accomplished in the world. Ephesians 6, 8, with all prayer and desis. With all prayer and petition it's translated, but it's the word desis, supplication. Pray in the Spirit. And with this in view, be on the alert with perseverance and desis, supplication for all the saints. I must, I must plead with God for what you need in your spiritual life as your pastor. I must plead with God. Entreat Him is the word. Entreat. It is entreating based on need. He says it in Philippians 1.4, always offering desis. With joy in my every prayer, uh, my every desis. He always offering desis with joy in my every desis for all you. That's the way it reads in Greek in Philippians 1.4. Philippians 1.19, For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your desis, your supplication and provision of the, of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. So, when you think about petition, I'll move along quickly, but I have just a few more things Think about this matter of petitions or desis or supplicating God. It is that we come before God with desires for the good from His promises. You see, my prayer is not uninformed, brothers and sisters. When I pray in the Spirit, I pray in the promises of God. I pray, I don't pray random things out of my mind that I somehow come up with. I pray in the Spirit. And then these, the holy desires that come to me as I am speaking with God, I desire those things which come from His promises. This is very important for your prayer life. 
This will keep you on track and help you pray in the will of God. Temporary mercies are desired for the sake of spiritual blessings. Yes, I do pray for temporary mercies and needs. So do you. But I pray for these. I petition, I desis, I desis for these temporary mercies or needs, listen to me, for the sake of spiritual blessing and the advancement of the gospel. That's the order. Not, Lord, give me this, and and if it helps out in the gospel, that's good. No, no, no. James said, you don't have it because you don't ask for it. And if you ask for it, you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend it on your lusts. Praying for temporary needs should be asked. We should be decent. We should pray with supplication, listen to me, for temporary needs that help us on our way to heaven. Spiritual blessings for the spiritual happiness that we desire, we supplicate for. You know what we pray for? Here are the things you pray for. Forgive me of my sins. Forgive me. Give to me your love. Reveal to me your great and glorious love for me by the Holy Spirit. May the peace of God and the comfort of the Holy Spirit come to me in the midst of all of the raging of my mind and the fight I have with anxiety. Give me the power of God to overcome temptation and to endure. Give me the sanctifying graces of the Holy Spirit so I can walk by faith and I can love others and I can live in hope. Give me hunger for the Word of God Give me hope through endurance and make me a witness for Jesus Christ and I could go on. You see, this is what we supplicate for. Make me like Christ. Submit to the Lord and give thanks to Him. Now we come to that. Pray with supplication and Eucharista. Thankfulness. So what did Paul say? Colossians 4.2 Devote yourselves to prayer keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Do you pray with thankfulness or do you pray with complaining? Do you pray with thankfulness or do you pray with belly aching and whining? This was the problem of the nation of Israel. They never were satisfied with anything God gave for them and they were never thankful. Paul says in 1 Timothy 2, 1, I urge the, that entreaties, prayers, petitions, desis, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men. What? You mean I got to thank, thank God for people that are rascals? Yes. I got to thank God for politicians I don't agree with? Yes. First Thessalonians 5.18, in everything give thanks. Maybe I should use the same phrasing we used earlier. In everything, anything, and whatever, give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. That's a hard one, isn't it? 
Hebrews 13, 15, Through Him, through the Lord Jesus, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to Him that is the fruit of our lips that give thanks. Now quickly, I want to just say this to you. I've got two minutes, but I wanted, and then I'll get to the peace of God. But I, I need to talk about this. And I'm just going to rattle these off. If you're interested in them, you can, you can, uh, I can send them to you or give them to you. But how to give thanks to God. I should have put this on the sheet and I didn't. How do I give thanks to God? Number one, I express my thanks to God in the gospel promises of the Word of God. I, thank, I, always, I always thank God based on gospel promises and gospel experience that I have. All my thankfulness comes because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Shauna, uh, Lauren sang it tonight. The cross, the rugged cross. So we express our thanks to God in the gospel promises of the Word of God. Secondly, we offer, we offer up all our thanks to God in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this, 1 Peter 2.5 You are a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I thank God by offering up my thanks in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I express my thanks to God in the gospel promises of the Word of God. Third, I am specific in what I thank God for in His providential work in my life. Be specific. Don't just say, here it is, Lord, thank you for all you've done for us. What in the world does that mean? Be specific. When you come to thank God, when you have your boys and girls sitting at the table and you're teaching your children or grandchildren how to thank God, be specific on how you're thankful to God that day for what He's done in your life. Be specific. Lord, I thank you today that that car did not come across any further and hit our car and cause an accident. I'm thankful that you that call came from the doctor. I'm thankful for, fill in the blank, be specific. Look at the providential work of God in your life and thank God for what He has done for you today. Today. Fourth, and this is what's happening to me right now. Stir yourself up to praise God and thank Him. Some of you need to stir yourself up for something beyond a ball game, for heaven's sakes. Now, I'll give you a verse. I know what time it is. You got to go get your kids. They can wait tonight and say, Pastor Mike's old and he couldn't get it all done. Listen, Psalm 103, 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Do you know what that's? He's talking to himself. Get in the mirror and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. Stir yourself up. Stir up your love for God. Stir up your love a joy for the Lord Jesus. And finally, thank God for the circumstances of His mercy. Thank God for the circumstances. Paul said it. He says it right here. I want you to know that my, my circumstances have turned out for the greater progress of the gospel. When was the last time you thanked God for your circumstances? This becomes important for us, doesn't it? And finally, believers by prayer experience the peace of God which guards the heart and mind in Christ Jesus. I'm only going to read it and then when we come back to this in two weeks, I'll 
add this section back in as I come to this very important verse, verse 8. And the peace of God, which surpasses comprehension, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You need something to protect your mind from the assault of anxiety and worry. And it starts when you pray about everything, anything, and whatever and make supplication with thanksgiving and you present your request to God. And when you've done that, and when you've told God, guess what? You've come to the right place. You don't have to worry about it anymore. You've talked to God about it. You've presented it to the Lord. Move on. Move on. Time to go, be, go, go get back to work for the Lord Jesus. John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled nor fearful. That's what we need tonight. The Lord is near. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God and we thank You for the opportunity we have to study the Word of God together. How I pray that tonight we will leave this place and we will follow Paul's challenge in our circumstances. We will not be anxious in them, but by prayer and with petition and supplication, we will present with thanksgiving our request to You and live in the peace of God. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Good to see you all. If you don't know some, <clears throat> someone around you, say hello to them on your way out. Those of you watching, God bless you. Hope to see you Sunday. Have a great week.